All right, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here, for those that will be listening. Lord, we ask that you lead this service and put a watch over my mouth, Lord, lest I sin against you. Prepare and open our hearts and minds to receive the message that you gave me to bring to the people. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you make me sensitive to what you were saying and willing to repeat what I hear you say. Bless me, Lord, with the ability to communicate with great clarity today your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what I'm about to share with you is not my research. It's not all from me, although some of it is from me. Um, it's from Dutch Sheets, and I always give credit when I'm using information and research from, from someone else's work. He knows that many pastors uh, use his research in their sermons, and he's okay with that. He talks about it and you know, a lot uh, with his Give Him 15 uh, app that he has in his the, the website that where he does these teachings. And he is a wonderful pastor and teacher uh, of the Ecclesia. So much is said in revivals and evangelistic meetings about repentance. It is indeed involved in the cleansing of sin, whether when one is being born again or when a believer receives cleansing. Unfortunately, many don't understand the true biblical meaning and the process of repentance, which can cause them to miss the transforming power that it generates. Believers often struggle with repetitive sin due to this issue of not understanding. And unbelievers can think that they are born again or saved when they may not be. Statistics say that a very small percentage of people who pray what many call the sinner's prayer actually become true followers of Christ. Some statistics are as low as 3 to 5%, and Dutch says, I'm certain it's below 10. You may have picked up on the fact that I used the word process. That's because repentance is actually the second part of a three-part process. And we know how much God loves to use threes. Threes stand for completion. There are three parts of the Godhead. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is <clears throat> three parts to our one baptism, which is the altar, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are three parts of the human body. We are... Or, or, or a human being, I should say. There are three parts of a human being. The body, the physical body, the spirit, which is eternal, and the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And we're going to talk about the three parts of a human being today. And that's just some of the things that, that God uses threes, uses as threes. I'm sure you can probably think of some more. The first part is remorse. Some think of repentance as remorse, and it isn't. Regret, sorrow, or remorse is a different word in Scripture. It is metamelome, and it is the first part of this process. It is good to have sorrow or to be sorry for our sins, but biblical repentance involves more. Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, had sorrow, he had metamelome, but not repentance, according to Matthew 27 3. He was so sorrowful that he committed suicide. Esau wept over selling his birthright, 
Go ahead and go to Hebrews 12, 17. In Hebrews uh, 12, 17, I'm going to use the extended, or I'm sorry, the expanded Bible. The expanded Bible, but it's similar in the ESV. He wept, Esau wept over selling his birthright because obviously he felt remorse, but couldn't find repentance. And Hebrews 12, 17 says, You remember that after Esau did this, he wanted to get his father's blessing. He wanted to get his inheritance. But his father refused. Esau was rejected. Esau could find no way to change or repent of what he had done, even though he wanted and pleaded for and sought the blessing so much that he cried. He could not find repentance. Now, I've seen people... This is Dutch speaking, but I've also seen this exact same thing because, you know, anybody who's been up in a pulpit for more than five seconds has seen this. I've seen people weeping at the altar or when they're confessing their sins and yet quickly go right back into their life of sin. <clears throat> and Dutch says, Finney, which he's speaking about Reverend Charles Finney of the Second Great Awakening. He was considered the revival, the great revivalist of the, the Second Great Awakening, which happened in 1790 to 1840, Finney was said to have had men run to the altar weeping. They would run while he was preaching. And he would only turn around and tell them, please go back to your seat. You're not ready yet. Why would he do this? It would be unheard of for somebody to do this today. But God gave him discernment. He discerned that they were not, had not come to full repentance. So part three is to turn. And yes, if you caught that, I skipped a step. Just like most people do when they're repenting. But don't worry, I'll come back to it. Most Christians believe that repentance also means to turn, to go in another direction. This is obviously an important part, but it is the third part, the end result of the process. This phrase comes from a New Testament word usually translated turn or be converted. So go to Acts 3.19. So in Acts 3.19, I will show you it is two different things. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Repent and, there's a conjunction there, repent and turn. Two different things. They are part of a process. This turning back to God or to be converted means not only repent, but to return home to God's grace and truth. This is a Hebraic thought of returning to the Lord God. The Hebrew word is shuv. Every Jew would know what that means. Come back to God. Shuv, come back to God. Repentance and returning is more than a passive changing of one's mind. Now, part two, repent. The word repentance itself, without understanding this part, we either won't make the turn at all, as in when a sinner just rejects Christ, or we will struggle in sustaining the turn. 
because it is being attempted from our mind and our own strength and our own understanding. So first let's define the biblical word and then insert it back into the equation. This powerful Greek word is metanoia, and it comes from meta, meaning after, and noio, meaning to consider, perceive, think, or understand. These two words are compounded to form the word metanoio. It is also metanoia, and metanoia is the noun. This is the metanoio is the verb. Whenever there's the AO, it's a verb. And it literally means, as Strong's Concordance tells us, to think afterwards, to reconsider. In other words, a person who formerly thought one way, they thought it was this one way, they're rethinking it, and a, getting a new and different knowledge or understanding has come, which causes what Thayer's concordance defines as to change one's mind. And now you know why these, these to change your mind. You often hear, well, repentance is just changing your mind. Repentance is just turning. It's because all of these concordances are defining the, the, the word that is used for repentance. The part that is used for turning because they say repenting and repenting and turning. So we have to understand that it's a three-part process. So you might be thinking a person who endeavors to change course or go God's way has had a change of mind. That's happened. So if you're turning and you're endeavoring to change course and go God's way, you've changed your mind. So why is this definition a big deal? Okay, so we're going to go, this is meat, y'all. This is meat. I'm giving you meat. You, there's no bottles in this room today. We're going to go into this. This is, if you understand it, it's going to change things for you. The biblical meaning of repentance from sin, though it includes a change of mind, is not referring to a simple mental exercise, decision, or choice. Biblical repentance a change of mind is the result of revelation. Revelation only comes from God. Which literally means, revelation literally means to lift or remove that which hides or covers. That's what revelation means. To lift or remove that which hides or covers. It is a veil. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4. I think this is our last scripture. Yes. No. Sorry. It's not the last scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. And even, which it tells us, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this is telling us that the veil or the covering came to the heart of humans at the fall. Blinding us. You, we hear that in the, in the word all the time. It, it's blinding us to God's truth and God's perspective. Satan blinded us with this veil at the fall. This occurred when Adam chose his own knowledge 
of good and evil. When he did this, his own mind and intellect took over and gained ascendancy over his fallen spirit. So his mind, his own intellect went above, that's what ascendancy is, it's above his spirit, his fallen spirit. His mind took over where his spirit should have been. <clears throat> which that's where God lives. God's life and God's spirit lives in with our spirit. So he had this. It was rendered the day that he, that he chose his own knowledge of good and evil. This veil caused Adam's own intellect or pride to be exalted above the knowledge of God. So his knowledge, he got exalted above the knowledge of God and God's glory. And Adam lost God's grace. And this was passed down to us. He no longer operated according to and under God's truth and God's logic, but according to his own fallen, carnal, fleshly thoughts. Adam's soul, remember what the soul is, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, was now in charge of him. The New Testament actually calls the fallen man the natural man. So we have the natural man. And it literally means of the soul. And it refers to someone who is led by their soul, which is their mind, their will, and their emotions, and not their spirit. Their spirit, with your spirit, which is the eternal part of you, is being squashed over your intellect, over how smart you think you are, or your pride. Humans went from being led from their spirit, which was filled with Holy Spirit in God's life, to being natural man or soul-ish. And led by their souls or whatever information or emotions were held there. This is a problem that we have today throughout America. The world is a soulish place. James actually tells us in James 3, 5, which I reference it here, but I'm not going to actually read the whole thing. But James actually tells us the knowledge that originates in this exalted, soulish, or natural man. And it, he says, they are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's what James 3.15 says. They are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Go to 1 Corinthians 2.14. Unredeemed humans now live by and from this soulish <clears throat> knowledge. And the scripture in 2.14 says, A natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So if you are a natural man, and the word here for folly, <coughs> if you go to the interlinear Bible, the word used for folly is moriah, which is the root word, for the word that we use, which is moron, moronish. So a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are moronish to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Since the fall, because of this shift in power from spirit to soul, and the ensuing veil, we humans have needed revelation. Or a lifting of the veil. And I pray this for all of us. I pray this for, I have a list of, of people. I pray for the church, 
for the for the world for this area for like geographical areas and that's one of the things that i pray is a lifting of the veil in order to see and understand truth god's logic at a heart level when this revelation occurs that is repentance when the revelation occurs and there's a lifting of the veil that is when revelation happens that is repentance when holy spirit has been able to lift the veil of deception and give us a new understanding which is his understanding of our sinful condition and with the will to recognize jesus christ as lord and savior we receive faith and holy spirit's empowerment we see god's way we want god's way and we can go god's way we're changed by the power of holy spirit and can now think his thoughts and want what he wants and believe what he says and this veil is represented if you remember by the veil that was rent in the temple the day that Jesus died on the cross at Calvary it was rent from top to bottom from heaven to earth the veil was rent the veil was lifted by Jesus on the cross and that's why we can ask for the revelation and the veil to be rent in our lives and off of our hearts and our minds and we can receive true repent biblical repentance because of this the biblical process of change is remorse true remorse for our sinful nature revelation which is the rending of the veil and repentance and then turning back to God that is the formula that is the process that we have to go through to truly follow God's ways this is what I've been trying to tell you guys for the last few weeks to truly go God's way to live a life for him to truly be the Christian that God wants you to be this has to occur there has to be this biblical repentance they lose their salvation they lose their that's why somebody can you know make you angry if, if you're not in living a lifestyle and this is a lifestyle y'all this is this is not just for people who who are who are unsaved we have to repentance is a lifestyle living one but once this once you go through this one the big one the big repentance the one where it's completely I'm remorseful, I'm, I'm giving my life to you, I, 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 I want to change, I lift the veil, Lord, Lord, I, I'm repenting for my sins and I'm turning back to you. It becomes a lifestyle after that. It becomes very easy for God to, to say, you know, you shouldn't have let your anger get out of control here. You immediately repent. It becomes a quick and easy turn after that because you want to walk in God's ways you want, and sometimes you'll be able to see things and not let the anger the the or whatever the jealousy or whatever whatever negative lying emotion that that wants to come up in in your in your soul or that Satan will use to bring it up in your soul instead of doing that you're able to easily say I I just I don't want that I want to go God's way and it becomes more of a maintenance we're maintaining our faith 
maintaining our relationship with God. And this process is what we must ask for and war for when praying for the lost. It's what believers need to seek in order to overcome sin. And please hear this. When the true gospel of the kingdom is preached, power from Holy Spirit is released to break the power of sin and death and remove the veil. The measure of faith needed to believe is then activated. The power, this power that I'm talking about, is multiplied, not added to. You would think that if you were added, people would come that it would that it would be added to, but it's not. It's multiplied. This power is multiplied in revival. When there's large groups of people that are praying the the prayers of faith and they're 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 that measure of faith is activated, it gets multiplied instead of added to, and the power of Holy Spirit becomes so prevalent in the spiritual atmosphere that revelation breaks through the veil of deception more quickly in revival to the point where revelation in essence becomes corporate and the veil can then be lifted throughout entire regions when revival comes. Where people will pull into a parking lot and you'll see them get out of their car and bam, that it hits them and they're crying in the parking lot before they've even gotten into the into the revival tent. This is what we need in America. We need this great awakening. We need this great awakening here, in this place, in this church. We need this great awakening throughout America, throughout the state of North Carolina, through this region. When Holy Spirit tells us revival is coming, and he is talking about revival coming. He's telling everybody. He's telling us revelation is also coming. And when he tells us that revelation is coming, he's telling us that repentance is coming. And when he's telling us that repentance is coming, he's telling us that breakthroughs of every kind are coming. People are getting healed immediately. Breakthroughs, strongholds are falling off. This is what happens when revival happens. And our role as a church body, as an ecclesia, is to pray and ask for this. We need to ask for this release along with Calvary's provision and Christ with Christ's authority. Holy Spirit and the angels will respond and change will happen. All right, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this message and for the finished work that Jesus did on Calvary as he went to the cross for you and for us. And you ripped the veil that we, your children, could receive your revelation knowledge of our sinful nature. And as we listen to the closing song today, Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts. Hover in this room over each one of us, doing the work that only you can do. Holy Spirit, repentance come to those who need it. We thank you, Lord, that we are learning to live a lifestyle of repentance that is always found in Yeshua. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.